Well, good morning. For our scripture reading this morning, we are in Luke chapter 9, Gospel of Luke chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 18 and read down through verse 26. Gospel of Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 18. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them, commanded them to tell no man that thing saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself, or be cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory, and in his Father's, and of the holy angels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would bless the reading of it, the preaching of it this morning. Lord, thank you so much that it is a, a mirror for us to show us our our flaws and our shortcomings. And Lord, I just pray this morning that if if we are not practicing what you teach here in denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following you, I just pray that you'd make us very keenly aware of where it is that we're struggling, that where we need to improve. Lord, dying to self is, is so much involved with the very base of every sin, and that's pride. Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to us on that subject this morning. Lord, help us to say no to our pride. Help us to say no to our flesh and to to the desires of this world. Lord, the enemy, Satan, is there constantly fighting us and and attacking us and making us very aware of, of our flesh and what it is that's available out there in the world and Lord, I just pray that we would just heed to you and to, to the Holy Spirit that is living inside of us. Lord, I just pray that there's someone here this morning that, that does not know you as Savior. There's not been a point in their life where they have put their complete faith and trust in you and trusted your work, your completed work on the cross and your shed blood for our sins, for the payment for our sins. That this morning you'd speak to their hearts, that you'd convict them that, that they would give their life to Christ. Lord, be with preacher as he speaks to us. Fill him with your Holy Spirit and use him in a mighty way, Lord. And help our hearts to be open to exactly what you have for us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Luke chapter 9, we are continuing our study uh, on this subject of discipleship this morning. And we want to talk about enlisting in discipleship. There's some notes on the back of your bulletin if you want to fill those out as we go along. I want to kind of zero in on verse number 3 of our passage, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In our world and in our day-to-day, T-shirts a lot of times have a message on the front of them that uh, are popular with certain segments of our society. I heard about a preacher that was in a shopping mall and he saw a young man approaching him there and he had a, an interesting message on the front of his t-shirt. And this is what it said. It said, once I was, I was once lost in the shuffle, but now I just shuffle along with the lost. And when the preacher saw that, he stopped the man and he asked him, he said, excuse me, but I read the words on the front of your t-shirt and he said, I'd like to talk to you about it. And the young man replied, okay, you liked them, huh? And he said, no, I don't like them. <laughs> and so he said, once I was lost in the shuffle, but Jesus Christ saved me, and I'd like to tell you how you too can stop shuffling along with the lost. And the young man ducked his head and looked at his shoes, and he said, well, sir, to tell you the truth, I already am a Christian. I guess I shouldn't be wearing this shirt, should I? And the preacher said, it isn't a very good testimony for a Christian to wear that. He said, no, it isn't. I'll stop wearing it. And then the preacher added this. He said, what you wear is your business. But a Christian has no business shuffling along with the lost. Amen? Amen. The young man agreed with him. They talked for a little while about the things of the Lord and went on their way. But I want to say to you this morning, Christians, we as Christians have no business shuffling along with the lost. Discipleship is about the undisciplined becoming disciplined. It's about the untaught becoming taught. The fuzzy thinking Christians becoming focused Christians. And the casual Christians becoming committed Christians. You know, the great omission that is in the great commission in our day-to-day, I'm afraid, is a failure to make disciples. The Great Commission says we're to win them, and then we're to baptize them, and then we're to disciple them. We're to teach them to teach others, and to teach others, and to teach others. But I'm afraid we're, we're too often winning people to Christ, but we're not really discipling them. Jesus said that we're to go and we're to make disciples of all nations. He didn't say make converts, though we ought to win people to Christ and make converts. He didn't even say make them church members. That's important too, but he said make disciples. Disciples are made, they are not born. And this places a sober responsibility on all of those of us who minister the word of God and those who share the gospel and win people to Jesus Christ. The Greek word for disciple is the word methetes, and it means a taught or trained one a learner follower. In other words, somebody who learns by following somebody else. We learn by watching. We have a mentor. We have somebody who um, apprentice us, you might say, in the things of the Lord. A disciple of Jesus Christ is one that has been disciplined and trained to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's impossible for us to separate discipline from discipleship. The word discipline, according to the Oxford Dictionary, dictionary means to train in self-control or obedience. Well, that's, that's almost curse words to people today. Train in self-control or obedience. Most of us don't want to know much about self-control. 
Christian discipleship and discipline are synonymous terms. There's no such concept as discipleship without discipline. Discipleship means discipline. Without adhering to the disciplines of Christ, we are not disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you enlist in the army, and many of you, and this being, being our uh, Veterans Day weekend, many of you have served in the various areas of the armed forces, and we're thankful for your service and your willingness to give of your time and your life to the Lord. But when we enlist, enlist in the army, there's, a, there's a, uh, an oath that you take when you go into the army or into various areas of the armed forces, and this is what it says. It says, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and do domestic. Boy, it would be good if all of our political leaders would take that oath too. Amen. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. And that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of the military justice. Now suppose you were standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he were to ask you to, dis to, to repeat this discipleship pledge. I am willing to come after you. Therefore, I will deny myself and take up my cross daily and follow you. That would be a pretty good oath for all of us to take as Christians, wouldn't it? And God wants us to have that kind of commitment to him, to be true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust as we think about this subject of discipleship that we can enlist new disciples, disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ and that we can encourage and strengthen those who are already disciples to do a better job for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is involved in enlisting in discipleship? What does it mean that, if I, that I'm going to be a disciple? There's four thoughts that I want us to look at this morning that I think will help us. First of all, I want you to notice the call to discipleship. The call to discipleship. We read it in verse number 23. He said unto them, if any man will come after me. The Lord is calling us. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Mark's account of the occasion of Jesus' discipleship call, Mark writes this, And when he called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. Now it was a call that was given to a mixed audience. He says, When he had called the people unto him. The people, that was a mixed audience. He's talking to a whole group of people, mixture of people. He's talking about the, to the general populace, the outer circle, you might say. His disciples were the inner circle. But he's speaking to the whole group of them. And he says, if any man, he's calling any of them, whosoever will come after me, he's speaking to the people. And his remarks fell on the ears of some who were curious. It fell on the disciples who were committed men. The call of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's an invitation that he gives to every one of us to come after him and to follow him. In our life, we receive a lot of different invitations. You get invitations to birthday parties, to anniversaries, to graduations, to weddings, and the list can go on and on of all the things that we get invited to. 
And how we respond to those invitations usually depends on how well we know the person that gives the invitation, right? If we don't know them, we don't respond much to it. But if we really know them, we want to make sure we're there and, and come bearing gifts and all that's involved in that. What does that say about our invitation to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Whether I follow him or not, my response to that invitation has a lot to do with how well I know him. My response has to do with my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he extends this invitation to every one of us to follow him. It is the most important invitation that we will ever receive in our life. And when Jesus gave that, he actually gave in Scripture two different invitations to us. The first invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight is, Come unto me. The second invitation in Luke nine twenty three is, Come after me. It is obvious that one is coming after, and you can't come after Jesus Christ until you have come unto Jesus Christ. They're two completely different invitations. They're directed to two different groups of people. One call is the outside group, come unto me. The other is to the inside group, come after me. One is a call to faith, come unto me, trust me as your Lord and Savior. The other is a call to follow me, come after me. One is a call to sonship, come unto me. The other is a call to discipleship, come after me. One call is to the school of Christ, come unto me, learn of me, he says. The other is to the service of Christ, come after me, serve me, follow me. One call is to lay down something. He says, lay down our heavy burdens that we carry. The other call is to take up something. Whosoever will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. One call is to come into the arms of Christ. The other call is to come into the army of Christ. I've heard these two invitations or two calls taught and treated as though they are one and the same. They are not. They are two totally different ones. And it's obvious that since they're different calls, they require different responses. Jesus Christ continues to extend these dual invitations to us in his world and in our world today. And my question is, have you accepted both of those invitations? If not, why not? In addition to the call to discipleship, I want you to notice the candidate for discipleship. Who is he calling? Who is the candidate? Verse 23, again in our text, Luke chapter 9, he says to us, If any man will come after me. As we saw in Mark's gospel, Jesus addressed the people. He also addressed the disciples. In the curious crowd, there may have been those who would respond to his call and join those that were already committed disciples and already were faithful in serving the Lord Therefore Jesus called out, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There are at least two qualifications that Jesus calls and that literally opens the door to our life of discipleship. The qualifying words are these, Any man and will. One presents an appeal, the other appeals to our appetite, if any man will. Notice, first of all, the extent of the appeal. Of the appeal. He says, if any man. The, the, the universality of that appeal, it's to everybody. 
It underscores the impartiality of God. He invites whosoever will. Amen? Everybody can come. Anybody can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Would all of these who heard become disciples? No, not all of them would. But they could, and they could not say that they were not invited. Because everyone has been invited. If any man... There are many impartial invitations in the New Testament. The Lord gives them throughout Scripture. Some of them are, are these. In Mark 4, and verse 23, he says, If any man have ears, let him see, hear. In John 6, 51, he says, If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. In John 7, verse 17, he said, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. John 7, 37, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. In John 10, 9, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And in John 12, 26, if any man serve me, let him follow me. If any man, if any man, if any woman, the implication is given there. Are you any man or any woman? We all fit into that category, don't we? He's speaking to all of us. The door of the discipleship classroom is thrown wide open to those that will respond to the Lord Jesus Christ invitation, come unto me. That invitation also con contains these words, and learn of me. Jesus said, come unto me. We come to him and trust him. But then he says, and learn of me. Those who do not respond to the appeal, come unto him, will have no desire to come after him and to learn of him. Neither is this appeal for a select few that might think that they're some kind of super saints. It is an invitation to all of us, to any man. And then the second qualification that is given here is the existence of an appetite. The existence of an appetite. Again, in verse 23, he says to us there, If any man will come after me. The word will there is a powerful word. If any man will come after me. It's synonymous with the words yearning or longing or craving or hungering after the Lord. The will of which Jesus was speaking is the possession of a spiritual appetite. Remember David said in the Psalms, As the deer panteth after the water brook, so my heart panteth after thee, O God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They have a hunger, they have a desire, they have a will. Discipleship begins with a desire. I want to follow Christ. I want to serve Him. I want to build His principles into my life. I have a desire for God. He said in Psalm 40 and verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Do you really delight to do God's will? Is that your desire? It is the hunger for God that motivates disciples to prioritize their lives and to make the choices and the changes in their life that are necessary to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to live for Him and serve Him. You see, spiritual desire is that the heart of discipleship. If I'm going to be a dis disciple of Christ, there's got to be a desire. I want to do it. I want to follow him. Some who profess to be Christians just simply do not have that desire, do they? They claim to be Christians. They bear the name of Christian, but they don't have that longing, that craving, that yearning, that hunger to come after Jesus. It could be that 
they've not truly come unto Jesus, and therefore they don't have the desire to come after Jesus. The call that Jesus gave addressed the matter of the candidate. In, the, in addition, he gave conditions for discipleship. So then notice with me these conditions that he gives to us, thirdly. The conditions for discipleship. There are two conditions that are given in verse 23. Again, he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. The first condition is the rejection of self. We don't like that, do we? The rejection of self. Most of us, our human nature is to do everything to protect self, isn't it? To get everything for me, to make it comfortable, to make it easy, to get the best for me. But the Lord said, let him deny himself. The greatest hindrance to following Jesus is not people around you. It's your own self. Amen? Someone said, the person I have the most problems with is the one I look at them in the mirror at every morning. Amen? Amen. Consider the variety of words that we use that illustrate how self can dominate us. Listen to these words. Self-righteousness. Self-centeredness. Self-interest. Self-confidence. Self-consciousness. Self-defense. Self-importance. Self-indulgence, self-opinion, self-reliance, self-satisfaction, self-seeking, self-sufficient. You get the idea we can get all wrapped up in self, can't we? In what we want for ourselves. To desire the Lord Jesus Christ is to deny self. And the opposite is to desire self is to deny Jesus Christ. What does self-denial really mean? To deny self, something, we, de- we deny ourselves some things, but it's another thing to deny self. They're two different things. Throughout history, there have been a lot of people that misunderstood that statement of the Lord Jesus, and consequently, they went to great extremes to deny themselves of se- certain comforts. I read about some people who did that, There was a man by the name of St. Asesimus who wore so many chains that he had to crawl around on his hands and knees. He said he was practicing self-denial. Rosarian, a monk, denied his body comfortable sleep, and for 40 years they said he would not lie down to go to sleep. Marcarius sat naked in a swamp for six months until mosquito bites made him look like he was a victim of leprosy. He thought he was denying himself and gaining approval with God by doing so. St. Marion spent 11 years in a hollowed-out tree trunk. Can you imagine that? Seven years in a hollowed-out tree trunk. These were sincerely sincere people, but they were sincerely misinformed about what Jesus said when he said, let him deny himself. The meaning of denying oneself in the original language literally means to ignore. To ignore. It means to refuse to admit one's identity, to ignore ourselves. It means to put self down by putting Jesus Christ up. When he has first place in our lives, we, in the chronological order then, are in last place, aren't we? We use the little acrostic sometimes, joy, J, Jesus first, O, other second, Y, yourself last. 
That's what denying self is all about. It's putting Jesus first. It's putting ourself last. Putting self down. John the Baptist said it like this in John 4.30. He said, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. He increases, I decrease. John Wesley described it like this. He said, there are two paths. The path of God's will and the path of man's will. The two paths run parallel but lead in different directions. We cannot walk both at the same time. To choose one means to abandon the other. Denying God is to walk in self's path. To deny self is to walk in God's path. The condition of rejection of self. And then there's a second condition the Lord gave, and that is the reception of a cross. The reception of the cross. He said in verse 23, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now what does that mean, take up his cross daily? First, consider what it does not mean. It does not mean that we take up Christ's cross. The old rugged cross was for Jesus Christ alone. I know in some countries today, and particularly in the Philippines, I know missionaries there that have told us about around Easter time when they have people that go through the streets of the, of the Philippines and literally take whips and beat themselves or have other people beat them, and then they literally nail them to a cross because they think they're paying, helping to pay for their sins. And oftentimes they'll take them down right before they die, take them off of that cross. They think they're denying themselves and taking... That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about us taking up Jesus' cross. There was only one cross for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was for him and him alone. In John 19, 17, you read, And he, speaking of Jesus, bearing his cross, went forth to a place called the place of the skull. He bearing his cross. It was his cross. There was only one. There was only one exactly like the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in which he, on which he was crucified. In Luke 9, 23, it says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Not his cross, his cross. Take up my cross and follow him. Jesus had his cross, the would-be disciple. We have our own cross to take up and follow him. So taking up the cross does not mean bearing the same cross that the Lord Jesus did. So what does the statement mean to us? I've heard sometimes people talk about their physical illnesses, or maybe family problems, or maybe financial misfortunes, and they use this term, they'll say, well, that's just the cross I have to bear. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Those situations may be painful experiences, but it's not what the Lord is referring to in this passage of Scripture. If that is what Jesus meant, then everybody, saved and lost alike, disciple or non-disciple, would have crosses to bear. No, the common problems of mankind are not the crosses in the sense that Jesus was talking about when he said, take up our cross. For us to understand what Jesus meant, we have to think about what it meant to people in Jesus' day to take up their cross. Surely it meant horrible suffering. And it would be horrible suffering to be literally crucified like the Lord Jesus Christ was. But in Jesus' day, for someone to be identified with Jesus Christ, it meant oftentimes suffering. The suffering of ostracism. The suffering of being 
renounced by family and loved ones. It meant the suffering of unpopularity. It meant the suffering of rejection. It meant the suffering oftentimes of confiscation of your own possessions in many cases. To take up his cross meant to identify unashamedly, publicly, with the Lord Jesus Christ and to endure the disfavor that came from identifying with Christ from a scoffing world. And as I said in Sunday school this morning, we are getting closer and closer to that scoffing that comes with identifying with Jesus Christ in our world today. J. Dwight Pentecost comments on this statement, take up his cross in these words. He said, the cross was also the sign of his rejection by the nation. One must be willing to identify with the rejected one. Remember Jesus said in John 1, I think it's verse 11, he came unto his own and his own what? Received him not. Be willing to assume what is involved in that identification with Jesus Christ. When Jesus took up his cross, it literally meant that he must be willing to submit to the will of his Father. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? Or before in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, he said, Not my will, but thy will be done. Dwight Pentecost went on to say, In order to be a true disciple, one must submit himself completely to the will of Jesus Christ. The cross and the life of Christ was the test of his obedience to the will of God. One who would be Christ's true disciple must be willing to submit himself to the will of God, whatever it entails. End of quote. Are we willing to submit our will to his will? Am I willing to give up what I want for what he wants? Taking up our cross is to submit to the will of God unconditionally. And it also means that I'm willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ openly and publicly. This world is no friend of the Christian and no friend of grace. And the true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ will suffer rejection and will suffer persecution. Thomas Akempis wrote this, he said, Jesus hath many lovers of the kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. All are disposed to rejoice with him, but few to suffer for his sake. And I think he's right. Cross-bearing, by the way, is not forced upon us. It's not forced upon us. Jesus said, let him take up his cross. It's a choice. If we bear the cross, it is because we choose to do so. We make a decision. Cross-bearing is not accidental. It is intentional. We decide. But know this, there are no empty-handed disciples. There are no crossless disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's down with self and up with the cross and on with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us carry our cross with a smile because a frowning cross-bearer defeats the purpose. Amen? We do it with joy. Jesus, the songwriter wrote, Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. Are we willing to do that? And then there's one final phrase that I want to mention this morning in the call to discipleship. And that is the continuation of discipleship. The continuation of discipleship. Again, look at verse 23, the end of the verse. He says, take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily. 
the continuation. Eugene Peterson's book on discipleship is entitled, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. The subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. That's a good definition of what discipleship truly is. It is not easy, it is not fast, and it is not short. For that reason, many people do not desire to be true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may say, how long do we have to be his disciple? How long are we expected to take up our cross and follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer comes in the words of Jesus himself. He said, take up his cross daily. Every day. Just keep on. Keep on. And follow me. In these words, there's two important discipleship principles. The first discipleship principle is this. Discipleship is day by day. It's daily, day by day. Someone once said, life is so daily. <laughs> and it is, isn't it? Day by day. We, 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 we talk about taking life one day at a time. One step at a time. It's so daily. Every day we have the privilege of taking up our cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not once a week experience at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning or 10.50 on Sunday morning. It's daily we take up our cross. J. Oswald Sanders wrote this. He said, The temper of our times is for instant gratification and short-term commitment. Quick answers to prayer and quick results with a minimum of effort and discomfort. But there's no such thing as easy and instant discipleship. One can commence a walk of discipleship in a moment, but the first step must lengthen into a lifelong walk. There's no such thing as short-term discipleship. End of quote. It may be easy for us, relatively speaking, to say, I'll take up my cross for one day. But to do it every day, day by day, to carry that cross, and we could not do it were it not for the provision that the Lord Jesus Christ himself gives us. He tells us in Psalm 55 and verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. The reason we can do it daily is because the Lord helps us. He sustains us. He gives us the strength to do that. And He enables us day by day. So discipleship is day by day. The second thing is discipleship is step by step. It's step by step. Jesus said, take up His cross daily and follow Me. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.21, that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his what? His steps. We're to follow in his steps. It's day by day, but it's also step by step. Traveling with Jesus as our walking companion is a step by step journey. Discipleship is not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a lifelong destination. It's a lifelong pilgrimage as we follow Jesus. It's a destination following him. There's two kinds of Christian uh, pedestrians, I guess you could say, taking step by step following him. First of all, there's far off disciples, far off followers. In Luke chapter 22, the account of the arrest of the Lord Jesus Christ is given. And in that chapter, there's quick succession. There's four things that are, that are stated about Peter, just one right after another. It says in verse 54, and Peter followed afar off. I think all of us would agree, we don't want to be classified as those that follow afar off. Amen? 
But Peter followed afar off. The second statement's in the next verse, verse 55. It says, When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. First he follows along, then he's sitting down among them. He's sitting down among the enemies. And then in verse 56 it goes on to say that a certain maid said, This man was also with him. And in verse 57 it says, He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. You see, he followed off afar off, then he sat down with them, and then he denied the, denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Stragglers are a danger to themselves and a danger to the cause of Christ. Thank God Peter did get back in step with the Lord, didn't he? You read about that in the 21st chapter of, of John. So there are far off followers, and then there are also those who are faithful followers, those who are faithfully following the Lord Jesus Christ. A good example of today's follower is found in the book of Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says, These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Boy, I hope we're that kind of a disciple, don't you? That we follow the Lamb wherever he goes, day by day, step by step. Followers do not get out of step with the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is our example, and we are called pilgrims. We're called disciples. A pilgrim is someone that's on the move, somebody that's going somewhere, not wandering aimlessly about, not just marking time with our life, but we've got a destination. We're going somewhere. We're, we're disciple pilgrims, and we are going home. We're headed for our home in heaven. We're followers of the Savior Shepherd right into our Father's house. And thank God, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place. He has a place prepared for us. And as we follow Him step by step, one day it leads us to the Father's house. It's like Enoch in the book of Genesis, of which it says, He walked with God and was not for God took him. I believe one day Enoch and God were walking together and talking and perhaps God said to Enoch, Enoch, we're closer to my home than we are yours, so why don't you just go on home with me today? And God took him home to heaven to be with him. We're followers. We're heading for our heavenly home. In conclusion, let me ask you this question. Are you a follower or are you just a fan of Jesus Christ? To become a fan is much easier than to become a follower. A fan can sit in the stands and can admire from a distance. But a follower has to have an intimate association with the Lord Jesus Christ. The follower submits to his disciplines. The follower obeys him. Are you a fickle fan? Are you a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus' followers are called disciples. They're not called fans. Jesus is calling out and he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That invitation is to each of us today. It is impartial. It's individual. It's eternal. And Jesus Christ still carries on that same enlistment campaign today. And he's asking you and me, Will you enlist? Will you follow me? Seminary president was talking to one of his professors one day and 
a fellow walked out of the classroom and passed them outside the classroom. And the president said to the professor, he said, he's one of your students, isn't he? And the professor said this, he said, he attends my lectures, but he's not one of my students. There's a world of difference between attending a lecture and being a student, isn't it? That's the same problem that the, fa the church faces today. There are many that listen to the sermons but are not students, not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not all attendees are adherents. They are fans of Jesus, but not followers. Are you a fan, or are you a follower? I've seen a bumper sticker. Some of you have seen it too. It says, don't follow me, I'm lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen? If you're lost, he wants to save you. If you're shuffling with the lost, he wants you to become a disciple and to follow him. Are you a fan or are you a follower? He's calling. Are you following afar off like Peter? Are you sitting down with the enemy? You're going to end up denying him if you do that. Or are you a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to take up your cross? Are we willing to bear the reproach publicly? To name the name of Christ, to publicly be called Christians, followers, and not fans. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your call to discipleship. The enlistment that you've given to us, even today, you're still enlisting disciples. Yes, you're calling for people to come and come unto you but you're also calling to us to come after you. And I pray that you'll help each of us this morning to examine our hearts and lives and help us to turn our heart toward you and, and not just be a follower, especially following far off, but you, would you help us to be disciples, to take up the disciplines and to follow you. Be disciples, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.